This is Corolla Digital. Hello, my little baby clams. It's me, Allison. Before the show officially starts, a few words. I need to tell you guys about something which happened to me, which was awful and horrible and disgusting, and I can't believe that it happened. And um, it's going to gross you out, and I shouldn't – it involves my period, and I shouldn't talk about it. I know I shouldn't because I was thinking about it. You don't hear people talking about – their periods and dealing with it that much. And there must be a reason why. It's because it turns people off. So men, shut your ear holes. Ladies, listen up. Because what the fuck? So anyway, I had to go to New York this weekend um, for work. It was very fast. I went on a Friday, came back on a Saturday. Um, and the reason the it was the meetings and stuff were on Saturday. And I had some time to kill in between that and when the car was going to pick me up to go to the airport. I had already checked out of the hotel. My suitcases and whatnot were being stashed at the hotel. And my sister lives there. So I met up with her and her husband and we were um, getting a snack at uh, like at a, let's say, a mall um, or a center. And I had my period and I've had my period now for, let's see. Um, longer than I haven't. And I'd like to say I'm fairly on top of timing out like, you know, just, you know, being in charge of it like a person who um, doesn't mess their underwear up and whatnot. So anyway, um, but somehow I lost control. And I so we're sitting there and I was like, I made sure we were close to a bathroom because I was having to make frequent trips to, you know, you know. So anyway, I stood up, took a step and I and something was horribly wrong. Horribly wrong and horribly, uncomfortably wet, and I was wearing stockings and heels, so I'm like, like this is a really uncomfortable sort of waddle, but trying not to move too much. Squished my way to, uh, to the bathroom, and I, I, I wanted to yell, "Get out of my way!" To the people who were just slowly meandering and blocking me. Get there anyway. It was like it was like a scene from Carrie. It was everywhere. And I did not have the luxury of going back to the hotel room to take a shower or anything. So I came out. I looked like I'd probably witnessed a murder. I said to my sister, we have to go. We have to go now. Um, so she and I left. And then her, her husband handled the bill. And then I just stopped at Rite Aid and I bought like a whole bunch of of um, those, you know, those those wipes, those pre-moistened wipes. And then we went back to the hotel where my bags were and I had to go into the bathroom and her, it, it was like a, this was a three-person job. Her husband had to stand outside to say that someone was inside the bathroom because is the bathroom in the lobby. Um, and so I just had to like wipe everything, clean myself up and then change. But I just, here's the thing. I know that these kind of awful situations happen more often than people let on. Why are we not talking about it? Or am I the only person who this happens to? And by the way, just since I'm getting into it to this degree, I'll tell you, I fucking hate sanitary napkins. I find them super uncomfortable and they just make me angry. Um, but I was so crestfallen and defeated by this experience that I wore what felt like a diaper to the airport. I was in the worst mood ever because I had been through hell. I had been through menstrual hell. Anyway, so my question to you guys is, uh, are you still listening? Um, are you feeling like your ears just got raped with my story? Why is it such a thing that we don't talk about? And ladies, does this ever happen to you? Because um, I just feel like this shouldn't be happening to me. I feel like I should be much more on top of this, but I don't know. 
Um, it was just one of those days. Okay, moving on. Sorry about that, Gary. I believe we have some iTunes comments of the week. Allison wants your iTunes comments. Allison wants them. Yes, she does. Please leave her some iTunes comments. And don't forget to click five stars. Our first iTunes comment of the week comes <laughs> Wait, from Wait, hang Nicole. on. We should talk. Let's talk about it for a second. Let's not. We can cut it out. If it's the kind of thing that I should... We can talk... Let's talk about whether we should cut it out, even though I know I'm going to leave it in, I think. How, how... On a scale of zero to ten, how horrified are you right now? And here's the thing. If it weren't blood, if it were ducklings, okay. would we all be so disgusted? Okay. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, iTunes comment, please, unless you want to say something else. Our first iTunes comment of the week comes from Nicole Mahan, and it is entitled, Finally, with three exclamation points. So I guess that would be, Finally! (laughs) Uh, A smart, funny, quick, and clever woman of my generation. You ask what I'm wondering of your guests and are willing to be very open about your life. Thank you for being so prepared and (laughs) and bringing such passion to your show. Love your new best friend, Nicole. Well, I love you, Nicole. And our second iTunes comment of the week comes from Jeremy Timmons, and it is titled Heart. Uh, I listen to a ton of podcasts, and this is the only, and this is only the second iTunes comment I've ever left. Your on-air personality is endearing, sweet, hilarious, and smart. Your interview style makes for a really great listen. No boring spots. This is a podcast I don't get tired of. Oh well, thank you very much. Um, I just want to know: Is your opinion going to be different after this show? And then I stand on the side of that and I say, but why should it be like this is such a huge – it's not like I just dropped a bombshell. I'm just saying, hey, I'm a woman who can't control what happens in her underwear. Anyway, you guys, um, moving on, I need to tell you about some of the fine sponsors and I wish there was some more in between me telling that story and me talking about the sponsors, but that's okay. Um, because Vistaprint.com is where you want to go for any sort of customizable thing or promotional thing for your small business or just for you. Maybe your business and what you need to promote is you. And right now would be a perfect time to get one of their customizable calendars. I've said it before. I'm a fan of calendars. I'm a fan of calendars you put on the wall, things you can look at, things you can hold in your hand. Yes, we have the calendar apps for our what have yous, but that is not foolproof, not in the least. You know what is foolproof? A calendar on your wall, uh, perhaps one with puppies. That's that's my personal favorite. Um, from this print, you can get a personalized calendar. You can include personal photos, text, images, and captions, notes for special dates, um, you know, like some kind of special anniversary, or just, hey, Tuesday. Uh, any starting month you want, fun, unique, and affordable, makes a great gift for customers, friends, and family, and they have wall calendars, desk calendars, poster calendars, wallet calendars, magnets, and cards. Magnets are another thing I feel like everyone can use more of. Maybe it's just me. I can always use more because I'm always thinking, I know I had more magnets, and why do I just now have this one that has the number for a taxi? Where are my cute, better magnets? Um, Choose from hundreds of calendar templates. It's easy to design and order. And all calendars, including well-desk, poster, wallet, and folded, are 50% off. Special offer, 50% off. You get free shipping on your entire order if you spend more than $30. So go to www.vistaprint.com slash bestfriend to get this incredible radio offer. Just go to www.vistaprint.com slash bestfriend. Satisfaction guaranteed. Not happy. They will make it right. No risk. 
Wouldn't it be great if everyone in this world offered that kind of no-risk guarantee? And if you weren't happy, they would make it right? So, uh, so let's patronize the people who are willing to do that. I also want to tell you guys about Go To My PC from Citrix. We love Citrix over here. Um, and Go To My PC is a great thing to have because every year we make the resolution that we're going to spend more time with family. We're going to have a more balanced life. We're not going to let work take over our life. We're not going to spend all of our time in the office. But then you realize, oh, crap. There's something I need on my computer in the office, or let's say you're, maybe you're at the airport, like I just was, there's something you need on your computer at home. Wherever your computer is, that is where the thing you need is, and that is where you aren't in this jet-setting day and age. So instead of pulling out your hair and then beating yourself about the body with your own hair, use Go to My PC because from wherever you are, you can get to your computer, you can get that document, you can get that photo of a puppy, or what have you. Uh, you can be more productive, you can work smarter, this, this powerful, simple tool from Citrix keeps you connected to your business wherever you are. Um, and you can remotely connect to your entire computer from any Mac, PC, tablet, or smartphone. And it's secure, so you're securely accessing your network. You can work on any program, save, edit, or send any file. Um, this is how people are working in, in this day and age. You should not let the location of your computer uh, determine where you have to be. Work from wherever you are, people. Uh, visit Go to My PC free today with a special 45-day free trial just for my listeners. That's you guys. Visit gotomypc.com, click on the Try It Free button, and enter the promo code Allison. Then download the free app to your iPad or iPhone. That's gotomypc.com, Try It Free, promo code Allison. All right. This, this right here is uh, my interview with Maria Menunos. And fun fact... Uh, I love Maria Menounos, by the way. That's not the fun fact. That's just that just goes without saying. But the fun fact is, I found out this was her first long-form sit-down interview. So uh, take that. All the other people that will be lining up wanting to long-form. Well, actually, I'm sure that people have been wanting to interview her long-form. It's just that. Well, this is what I'm going to say. What I think is that she was like, you, Allison, you're willing to talk about things that are absolutely disgusting. I want to give this interview to you. So thank you. Um, we love Maria. And she is really nice. And she's so pretty, too. I sound like a girl who has a crush on a girl. Uh, Anyway, here's the interview. And you can download part two early Thursday morning. Um, So write it on your hand. Um, And uh, and I love you guys. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. It is me, Allison Rosen, your new best friend. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. My guest today is Maria Menunos. You're beautiful and you smell really good. I do. What is that? Thanks. Um, I think this one is like a Donna Karen perfume. 
You don't have a signature scent? No, because... You like to change it up. I have a problem. Like, perfumes don't last on me. Mm -hmm. And so I keep one in my trailer. I keep one at home. In the morning, I start off with Marc Jacobs Daisy. Love it. And then for some reason, I also loved this Donna Karen one, so I kept it in my trailer. I also have Heidi Klum in my trailer. So I just switch around to whatever I'm kind of feeling like in the moment and just hope it lasts for more than an hour. Right. Well, it smells good. I'm impressed. You um, just made my day because I worked very hard for it to try to like. (laughs) Right. So before we started, we were talking a little bit about um, whether you check your phone in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. and like your work habits because you wrote – Every Girl's Guide to Life, is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is like a sort of how to maximize your time and be effective in a motivational book and your your story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I read it and it's filled with info that is really smart and yet it's like, ugh, that's what I figured you have to do to be successful. Like, <laughs> it's just hard. It's like hard work and and being disciplined. Yeah. And I want the shortcuts. I know. And you know what? Shortcuts aren't really – the best way to do it because shortcuts are just going to give you just that. And so um, it's a little more annoying to have to do it the right way. Um, But yeah. But see, my sense of you is that you're someone who's very organized and wakes up early and works really hard. So like what time do you get up? I wake up generally about 6.15 the latest. But that's because I have to. If Mm -hmm. I didn't have to wake up, I would love to sleep a little longer, but I can't sleep past like eight o'clock, eight thirty, even if I tried. I don't. So. Ha- I don't have that problem. Yeah, I can. <laughs> yeah, but I also grew up having to wake up really early to go to work since I was really, really little. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's one of those things where it's just been kind of ingrained in me. Um, so do you set an alarm to get up at that time? I do, but I generally will wake up a minute before, and I'll look at the clock in my bedroom, and I'll be like, oh. One more minute. <laughs> like, go back to sleep? <laughs> yes. That actually just came up. I was saying that even if I wake up and I have to pee really bad, if I have five more minutes till my alarm goes off, I will stay in bed oh, yeah. uncomfortably yeah. with my legs crossed because I, I, I demand those minutes. I demand. Yeah. Trust me. I demand every second I can get. Well, so, okay. So then what? How does your day go? Like, here's the thing. I know people that will wake up earlier than that because I have to get in the hair and makeup chair. So for me, it's like I got to get up. I get a shower, whatever. I know people that will get up and work out and then do that. And I'm like, hell no, that's not happening. And I'm like super efficient mm-hmm. and I'm like all about like maximizing your time. But I'm like, I'm not going to be a slave like for this. It's just right. not going to happen. So if I have time in my day to do it, great. If I don't, I'm not working out. That's cool. I feel like in your book, you are working out all the time. No, I'm no? not. Okay. I do. I do what I can when I can. And then I try to incorporate it into my day. You know, I mean, I'm always running around. I I actually have to get my pedometer on again. Um, I'm going to do that tomorrow, actually. You just reminded me because I have a theory that I'm so active during my day because I'm constantly running around that I get enough of a workout in. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, yeah, I have a Fitbit which is a pedometer. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's certain days where I feel really good. And then there's certain days where I look at it and I'm like, so I basically walked to my car and then back. <laughs> and that's about it. And yeah. yeah, maybe I had it in my coat. And so it went up and down, like if I put my coat down. And so it thinks I climbed the stairs. But well, I and didn't. for people who are, you know, sitting for most of their day working, you have to have a pedometer, I think, now because you have to kind of see, gosh, you know, I need to go go for a walk tonight or do something because, you know. Right, it's, right. It's hard. It's hard to get it in. So, So I was saying that I 
make the mistake of checking my phone in the middle of the night. And so I am like, I won't, I don't react rationally to things that I read in the middle of the night. And you are saying that you're really disciplined and you don't do that mm-hmm. because if something upsets you, it will make it so you can't go back to sleep. What's the kind of thing that would upset you? Oh my gosh. Who knows? I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example, but I definitely have seen things that I'm like, I wish I didn't read this until I had to wake up because now I feel like I have to respond or, you know, if it's like someone's like, no, we need this, this, and this. And I'm like, no, I actually sent you this, this, and this three hours ago when I was awake and no, I don't want to deal with it now yeah. or whatever it is. Right. I don't so know. it's like dealing with work emails and logistical things. That yeah. Kind of just stuff. dealing with stuff that you're not supposed to be dealing with when your eyes are closed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like my eyes close when I go to bed. My phone is next to me. Yes. I don't do breaking news like I used to for the Today Show. So I don't have to worry about them calling me in the middle of the night and sending me to like Guam or something. So I don't have that kind of anxiety like I used to. Um, I used to have my phone outside of my shower. Like mm-hmm. I just – there was never a second I, I wasn't able to, you know, be Did deraged. they ask you to be that available? Or is no, that you just, just – you knew you had to be. Mm-hmm. You just knew. So now it's like when the when I go to sleep, my phone's off. I don't check it until I have to wake up. And then when I wake up, the way I wake up is I start reading like the news of the day. And I'm like, oh, and then I kind of like – Wipe the sleepies away, and I'm like, okay, let's go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now you you have done really hard uh, journalism reporting, though mm-hmm. hard news, and then you also do pop culture stuff. Um, do you do any hard news anymore? Not, I haven't done it in the last year, um, except for you know there have been moments like at Extra that I've gotten to cover some important things, like Hurricane Sandy, for example. Um, I wanted to make sure I was there to cover that. I had a feeling it wasn't going to be, you know, uh, I had a feeling it was going to be a big storm. And so I flew out there earlier than I was supposed to and I covered it. And so that was, that was exciting for me because, you know, it's, it's what I love to do. And so I was out in the middle of the storm and, you know, went to Staten Island and covered the entire thing from top to bottom. And I loved it. I loved it. And I missed it. So I'm definitely... Starting to get the itch again to do it on some level. That's what I was going to ask. Which do you prefer and what's the difference in covering the two? Well, it's not I, – I prefer kind of having a full plate of mm-hmm. getting to do everything. And that's always how I've been and always how I've tried to continue to be because I know myself and I know I miss things when I don't have it. So with news, with hard news, I feel like you're making a difference. I feel like I'm delivering something of importance to people that's helping them, whether it's educating them, making them aware, um, or with Hurricane Sandy, for example, we were able to put together a relief plan with Extra that got tons of, of food and clothing and all kinds of things donated for these people. And I've seen that countless times with stories that I've done between Nightly News and the Today Show where people donated. I remember reading after I covered the fires in Greece, this woman donated a million dollars because she said she saw my news coverage. And wow. it made me feel so incredible because that's why I love doing it. I love helping to people. To reach millionaires? To reach millionaires, exactly. <laughs> that too. Um, but I love helping people and I love telling people stories and um, and I'm inspired by that. So for me – I think that's what the news kind of does for me. And, you know, you're going to all these different places. and Is that fun? Yeah, it is. Or it's, are you ever like, I don't want to go to Guam or whatever no, it is? No, no. You're always I, exhilarating. I love chasing the fire trucks. Like, I love being in the middle of everything. 
Um, I love being scared. I was going to ask, have you have they ever have you ever been somewhere where you've been afraid for your life? Oh, many times, many times. I was in Afghanistan. I was in. I remember being in El Salvador during um, that a huge earthquake had just um, rocked this area, and I flew into it. And they sent me because I was the only one on staff that knew how to speak Spanish. And at the time, I was pretty fluent. I've lost most of it. Mm -hmm. And now I'm trying to Rosetta Stone my way back. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I went and, you know, this entire area was just wiped out by a water um, pump or a water tower Mm -hmm. that had wiped out this. And we were, like, trying to dig out people's families. And it was absolutely heinous. Um, I went back to the hotel that night. And the aftershocks were so strong that I kept all my clothes, my boots on, my license on my body because I was scared. You know, the hotel was shattered. I mean, you couldn't even take a shower. The tiles were all on the floor. And um, I remember calling my mom and and I was like, "Uh, I'm definitely kind of nervous. This is not really, you know. And I was 22 at the time. Like I just kind of started and Mm -hmm. I was still new to all of this. And but I I love that kind of energy. I love, you know. Right. And then conversely, what's the what's covering the the more poppy entertainment stuff like? That's fun. To me it's it's fun. It's um it fulfills that other side of me that just, you know, wants to be silly and have a good time and um, you know, talk to stars about, you know, La La Land. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to you get the inside scoop on everything and how it's done and, you know, I love making movies. I love um you know, the entertainment business. So for me, it's, you know, it's just another part of me that I enjoy. I was, but if I had to do just that all the time, I would probably go nuts because I need a little more stimulation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like celebrity journalism has changed since you've been doing it? And I'll explain what I mean. Um, I was a print journalist for years. Mm-hmm. And and I remember reading this article that always stuck with me by this guy. I, f- I think it was in I forget. His name's Tad Friend. And it was about how uh, celebrity profiles nowadays, this is years ago, start, it's like always the celebrity and what they were eating and then interpretations on what that means about them. And like the reason that that is, is because nowadays, again, this was years years ago, the access was so limited. So Mm -hmm. it's like the publicist will give you the star for half an hour, 45 minutes, and all you can, all you have to, to draw on is your experience with them versus years before when it's like you had three days to spend with them so then you could write a cover story that really delved into who they are versus um, feeling like the publicists are kind of controlling uh, your access. And I'm wondering, you, with interviewing celebrities, do you feel like you have a lot of freedom to talk about whatever you want? Do you feel – no. No, because – You know, for an entertainment program like Extra, you have such limited time that you're really, really confined as far as what you can talk about because you have to just talk about what the audience wants. And the audience wants what they ate. And like, I want to talk about like that scene and how they got it. And, you know, what were they channeling and all this stuff? And that's never going to make it Mm -hmm. on that. But that's but you have to understand, like. There are places for that, and then there are places for the things that we do. And so, you know, you can't have it all. Um, how do you know that that's what the audience – I'm not disagreeing, but I'm just asking. Yeah. Like, well, what, how do you have that sense that that's what they want? Well, you know 
your audience from all the research that they do and the different studies that they do. And then, you know, you also know by just the temperature of what's going on out there, you see, like, when I first started in this business, it was People Magazine and Us, right? Mm -hmm. And then Paris Hilton, I actually just wrote a novel about this. So this is, it's kind of funny. But then, you know, so Paris and I kind of started together at the same time. And right at that point, she... She ushered in all of this, the life and styles, the in-touches, the celebrity weeklies, and all of this, this you know, kind of fascination mm-hmm. with celebrity on a whole other level, you know, that now there are so many magazines dedicated to, um, to all of this. And so it's kind of interesting to me, but, you, you know, you see what people want from what they're buying and they're buying these magazines and they love it. Yeah. And it's like they're buying all of them and they're all, you know, they're all putting out similar content. That's that's interesting. I remember I um I wrote for people years ago and I remember meeting with an editor and and he said your audience is and like they had it nailed down to like the 35-year-old woman who works in an office who sits down and reads it before she starts work mm-hmm. or something like that or I forget it specifically. Or the flight but, attendant who's on the plane just yeah, kind of yeah. killing some time. But and, even I, you know, when I sit down at for a doctor's appointment, that's when I'll flip through one of yeah. those magazines. Um but that's so interesting that you tie it to Paris Hilton. Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about it in that way. But I re- I remember my aware. I remember when I was first aware of her, and I just knew the name, but I didn't know who it was. This was before the sex tape, mm-hmm. I think. And then, um, yeah, I just kept reading her. Well, at that point, you always, it was uh, Paris and her sister who were always mentioned. Mm-hmm. But um, so and then from there, it was. You know, Kim Kardashian and Brittany Murphy and Nicole right. Richie yes. and. Um, even the um, the Johnson and Johnson heiress, like all of those girls, were all yeah. in this like, you know, in this kind of group, and it's it's so funny to see how it all kind of started. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what do you, do you what's your feeling about that? Do you have a, a judgment about that? No, I just think it's. I I always say it's just you know it is what it is. Um, I think that. You know, a lot of people will criticize and say they're just famous for being famous. And I'm like, well, that's a really easy way to put it. But you know what? They had to do something yeah. to capture your your curiosity and to capture people's attention. You know, whether you like the Kardashians or not, people are watching them. They're obsessed with them. Um, and and there's a fascination. And to me, I think they're doing a job. I think that they're they are successful for a different kind of thing. Like, remember, like, supermodels used to be on the covers mm-hmm. of magazines, right? Whether it was Helena Christensen or Cindy Crawford. Well, you know what? At some Linda point... Evangelista. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then at some point, they were gone. Yeah. And they were replaced by what? Actresses. Right. Well, don't you think people were like, oh, bring back the supermodels. That's who's supposed to be on the cover. It's the same thing. Like, yeah. things evolve and things change. And now television has changed. And so, you know, I don't think that... I, I would be... I, I wouldn't be so quick to just judge and say, you know, they're just famous for being famous because they have to have something. I, t- you know, I actually, I totally agree with you about the Kardashians. And it's a very, it's, you don't hear people saying this very often. Um, so you and I are kind of on the vanguard, but <laughs> I have defended because you, I hear people take down the Kardashians mm-hmm. all the time. And I, I actually defended them to my boyfriend because I was saying that 
that is a job. Yeah. It's not. They, Thank you. they don't just live their life. I mean, Thank you. that's what we're supposed to think. We're yeah. supposed to, to think that we're just watching them how they, how they live their life. But like, hell no. I'm sure the hours they work doing that show. Grueling. So difficult. Yep. And yeah. See, and I, you have to be okay with everything just hanging out because if you want a successful show, you've got to let it all hang out. And you right. know what? They have to take the good with the bad. I see that girl. And you know, it's, I'm so excited to hear that you actually defend them because I defend them constantly. I'll be having dinners with people and they'll shit talk them all the time. I love that we're on podcasts and I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so and it's frustrating. And I actually I had dinner with Kris Jenner um, like two weeks ago and I told her, I said, you know, I find myself having to be like, you know, your advocate out there because People don't see the other side. They don't see that you guys are working for it. I see Kim. Well, I'll go interview her. Well, they buy into the <laughs> illusion that's presented, which is you're just Fabulous. looking through a window yeah. into their real life. Not whereas you and I are more aware of what it of what it means to be presenting yourself constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. and you can't stop. Here's the thing. Now imagine them right now if they took a break. You don't know what's going to happen, do you? You don't know if people are going to still – someone else might move into that slot. So you have to keep on that rat race. Mm -hmm. You have to keep on keeping on and it's so hard. But like I said, I I remember one day I had to go interview Kim at her house and she had just flown in from like a 15-city tour overseas – um, I don't care she, that she was on a private jet. It's still flying all over the place, exhausting. And the reason you have a private jet is because the hours are so insane you couldn't get on a normal flight. Yeah. That's how it is for most people. She landed at 5 a.m. By 9 a.m., she was shooting a, a video game um, for uh, this video. She was doing some appearance for a video game thing. Then she had my interview. And you know what? That girl had a smile on her face. She was positive. Um, I know that she's very supportive of so many people in this town. Like, she's always going to events, and she knows that it helps people. She would come to my events, and I hadn't even asked her. And she was mm-hmm. just just being a good girl, like a girl's girl. Right. Um, they work really, really, really hard. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's work. It's just a different kind of work. And people right. don't want to accept that. They're like, oh. Well, they don't want to think that a reality show is putting on a show. Yeah. I think they I think they don't want to think that. But it's like if, if the Kardashians were doing scripted material, people wouldn't have the same same problem with them. And yet, I, I, I mean, I haven't shot a reality show, but I think it is just as much work. It is. But you're you have you're doing a reality show, right? We're going to be, yeah. What's and, uh, what's that going to be like? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's. I remember I sat with Chris and she was telling me she goes, just let it all hang out, whatever it is, just live it, own it. And I'm like, that's so scary. Yeah, you know, who wants to be attacked constantly and criticized? I mean, it's so hard. Mm-hmm. But you know, for me, I actually see the benefits of what they get to do. I see that they get to work together and be a family together and enjoy more time with each other than they would if they weren't doing it. And I love that. I love my parents. We have so much fun together. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Is it's going to focus on your family? Yeah, my parents live with us most of the year. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we have an eclectic group of friends and, um, and, you know, it's, it's going to, you know, revolve around the family unit at home and obviously like following me at work and what it's like behind the scenes at work, which is great. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get a little taste of it, I guess. When does that start shooting? Um, I'm not sure yet. I'm about to find out because the holidays kind of throw it off. We finally found a showrunner, which is so hard to find. Um, 
because you can meet so many great people and then you're like, oh, but this area may not be the best. Mm -hmm. They may not be the best at this, at that. And so it's hard. Is it attached to a network? Yeah. Yeah. Oxygen. Oh, cool. Um, Is that, how did that come about? Like, is that something that you guys uh, pitched or is that? Yeah, we've been approached for a long time actually about doing it. And so um, we had always kind of resisted. And then we um, connected with Ken Druckerman and uh, Left Right as a company. And we're like, you know what? These are the guys that we would do it with if we're mm-hmm. going to do it. And so, um, yeah. Are you a producer as well? Yeah. On it. So do you have some control over what goes out there? I don't know yet officially. Here's the thing. I think that... They, what I've figured out is that they don't necessarily want something to go out that you're really going to like flip your lid over. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if you're going to flip your lid over it, it's probably really good. I know. I hate that. And that's the thing is like, you don't want to edit your stuff. And so I'm pretty good about stepping outside of myself in situations. Like I remember, oh my God, I was doing a shoot and it was a super emotional moment and they had a green, you know, field producer with me. And um, some a doctor was like delivering some really devastating news to me, and I'm sitting there sobbing. And then all of a sudden, I look and they're not rolling. I'm like, of course they're not freaking rolling right now. <laughs> this is like such a great moment. And I'm like, no, you're you're a person. Be a person. And I'm like, no, but I'm a producer. But I'm a person. I had the battle, mm-hmm. and I could have said something, but I didn't. But I'm good enough to be aware to know. Oh no, this is good. Even though this is horrible for me, and I'm gonna like die. This could be good for this. So I'll just swallow it for the greater good mm-hmm. so hopefully i can do that um i'm sure there'll be times it'll be really challenging and difficult and that's you know where you have to kind of lean on each other to you right know, is that the moment you're talking about is that something that you shot for the show no no this was something for um i was shooting for another show ended up not being true so it was fine uh, <laughs> i had a doctor who told me i couldn't have kids oh, and geez. then i was like devastated and then i kind of figured out i was like you know what i don't think this is true um why did why did the doctor think you couldn't have kids well you know birth control is really interesting i had been on it for so many years and it suppressed my system so much that we were trying to do a round of um uh, what's it called i was gonna freeze my eggs mm-hmm. and um nothing was growing and i was like injecting myself with all this stuff and it was such a nightmare to do and Nothing was growing. And so you the doctor, you weren't producing eggs. I wasn't producing any eggs. I had Ugh. no follicles, no nothing. It was like my system was dead. And so the doctor did these tests and she's like, I'm so sorry to tell you. She's like, but even with multiple rounds of IVF, I don't think you'll be able to have kids. Jeez. And so I was like, oh, my God, this is so not happening to me right now. How, how old were you at the time? This was a year, not even a year ago. Okay. And oh, no, it was a little over a year ago now. And so I remember leaving and just being like, this is not my body. I know my body. This is not my body. I know I'm going to be fine. And so I did a little acupuncture and I just said, you know what, let's just let my body calm down for a little while. And what I realized is sometimes with certain people, the pill can just suppress your system so much that it's like literally it appears to be dead. Mm -hmm. But if you just give it some time, it will come back. And so I remember I went back to the doctor. I'm like, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, 
but I feel some stuff going on down there. <laughs> and I don't know what it is, but you're going to tell me I'm nuts or that I have an alien in there. I don't know. And so I went back. And she's like, she was like celebrating. She goes, oh, my God, you you're are normal. <laughs> you're normal. And I'm like, see, I told you. Good. So. so did you end up freezing your eggs? I didn't, but I think I'm going to again. I think I'm going to start it again because – I don't know when I really want to have kids, mm-hmm. but I know I want to and I'm like nervous and I'm more torn than ever. And Kevin now is like switching his mind around. He's like, oh, I kind of want a little rug rat and blah, blah, blah. Did he for, – for people who don't know, Kevin is your boyfriend. And you yeah. guys have been together for how long? It'll be 15 years in April. Wow. Yeah. Um, Are you going to get married? Yeah, I think so. Eventually. <laughs> We're 92. Right. <laughs> when you're really sure. Yeah. Um, so he thought he didn't want kids. Is that what No, he like? does. But he was like, you know, we're so busy. He's like, not now. And I'm like, I'm right there with you. So we're like fish. We flip and flop. We flip and flop on the marriage thing. Oh, let's get married now. I don't want to get married now. Let's have kids. Let's not. So we're kind of all over the board and we don't know what the hell to do, which mm-hmm. would be on the show. But then just, just in this last week, he's like, oh... And we were at Disney World with my friend's kids. And he's like, oh, I would want a little Sarah. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, but wait, I don't even have time to tie my shoes. I'm, I don't know how we're going to do all of this. And I know people are like, oh, you get help. But I'm very involved and I'm very, like, in charge of everything. I can't imagine not. Do you mean, like, in a control freak way? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's okay to say. Um, I'm a workaholic and a control freak. So I can't imagine that I could just give my kid to somebody and then not be involved in the level of like, you have to be involved. Like, yes, they can take care of them in the moment while you're working. But when it comes to school and disciplining and all these things, like, you have to be involved. And there are a lot of major decisions that have to go on. And I'm like, I don't know if I have the time for this right now. Mm. Now, see, do you have the fear that I have, which is... That if you have a kid, see, I think I know that I want to have uh, I want to have kids, but I always had it in my head that like I want to get to a certain point in my career yes. before I do that. Uh-huh. Um, but the older I get, the more I'm like, I need to change how I'm thinking about this yeah. because I will hit a point where it's going to be difficult to get pregnant. So um, if I'm not there already. So then I think, OK, well, I'll just sort of shuffle things around. But what, when I have a kid, uh, if I do. I'm afraid that I'm just going to lose my ambition for my career for a while. (laughs) And I know at the time I won't experience that as a loss because whatever you're focused on, that's what you're focused on. Yes. Okay. Uh, Yeah. But but I'm afraid of it now. Yes. Because it's like how am I going to be excited about going on some – audition or meeting or whatever when I have this thing that I'm in love with right there that my whole body and being is telling me to focus on. Yep. So what do we do? Okay. How old are you? I am 37. I'm 34, turning 35 in June. Okay. So I a hundred and thousand billion percent agree and understand exactly what you're saying. Thank you. It's totally not the popular thing to say. No. Nobody likes to say it. Nobody likes to hear it, but it's true. And I think the same thing. I'm like, I always used to say, I'm like, okay, when I have my own talk show. Yes. When I get there and I have my own talk show, then I'm on a set for like 20 hours a day. I'm not moving. I'm going to be there. And then the baby can be there. And like, then I'm where I wanted to be. Well, guess what? I don't know if I want that anymore, actually, Mm -hmm. because... They're not really working. And so Talk my, like, aren't working, my Oprah fantasies <laughs> yes. are gone because the same fantasy. it just doesn't work 
it doesn't seem to work. And it, it doesn't, doesn't work, mean, meaning those kind of shows yeah, are not I, happening anymore. Yeah. And you know what's funny is like, I'm not excited to watch them anymore. And if I'm not excited to watch them anymore, then I don't want to deliver them anymore. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm, I'm thinking about like what that new model is and how it all kind of comes together. I don't know. But I thought the same thing. And then at the same time, I'm like, I know me. If I have one, I'm going to want to squish it all day long. I'm not going to want to work. And that's a huge problem. Like, a huge problem. Well, but but is it really? Because I think what it means is that you would just have to shift your the way you define yourself. Totally. And because, we will because we're going to have no choice. Right, right, right. But... In my head, it was always like, oh, yeah, I see myself at the top of something or other. You know, like I definitely want – I mean the talk show thing, actually what you're saying is making me think, God, maybe I need to give up on that dream. Because that's kind of my dream – always been my dream. But then sometimes I think, but what is it about that that really appeals to me? Because I do have like this. This yeah, podcast you're is doing a talk it. show. And I I get so much out of it and people like it. So why why is it that I want to – put this on TV? Is it um, because I want validation or like what is driving that? I don't know the answer to that. Mm -hmm. How uncomfortable right now. I don't know either, (laughs) but I don't know either. I think that I think and that's why I love new media and that's why, you know, I love being able to do, you know, our podcast at AfterBuzz because you have your own control. Like you're in charge of your own destiny um, in such a big way. And with your show, like you're doing it. You know, and guess what? You can talk about whatever you want. Mm-hmm. We're talking about egg freezing. A minute ago, we were talking about Thanksgiving dinner, and we have like 18 other things we're going to talk about. This is your talk show. And so it's funny. I, I've been recently kind of, like I said, been trying to think of what's that new model. Like, am I just going to do a talk show on, you know, out of my garage? And I'm totally happy with that because if I'm able to talk about what I want to talk about and I'm able to get an audience and you've got a great audience – what what more do I really need? However. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm with you on the however. However, on the kid front, you know, I I also have had conversations with other successful female friends of mine who are like, we have amazing lives. <laughs> Why would we do this right now? It's really scary. Like I get to travel at, you know, at moment's notice and go have fun and, you know, do whatever I want, whenever I want. When you have kids, it's like you can't even get a manicure. Like yeah. you just can't do anything. And Gary's sitting in there being like, oh, this is so boring. Well, Gary had to go to Joanne's Fabrics today. So he's done with lady stuff. <laughs> but it's true. And it's such a – it's a conversation that isn't being, you know, being it, – it's not out there. People aren't really talking about it. And I remember even with the reality show, people were like, oh, you can't talk about that stuff. About it's fertility not, and stuff yes, like that? It's not relatable to women to be worried about having kids. You're supposed to want to have kids. Like, people tell me to have a kid for my career. They're like, it's going to help your career so much. And I'm like, I'm right. not supposed to have children for my career. That's right. what psychos do. Yes, yeah. Well, now, <laughs> that's interesting that they say that. What do they mean? Because, because I, then you, you become, and I are both thinking of it yeah. as something that could be going to... I mean, because honestly, the truth is, as much as having it all is, yeah, sort of like I feel like ultimately you do choose. You You do. do. If you want to be a good parent, if you want to have your heart in what you do, you make a choice at some point. You can you can have it all. But I don't know if you can have it all at the same time. So, yeah, to me, it's not like, oh, this would help my career. 
But yeah. so how how did people think it would help? Oh my god, people say it all the time to me. They're like, because then you can be on the View or something. I, well, because <laughs> is that what it is? Because I think because it there's such a huge mom market out there. Like mm. everything's about being a mom, and you know, moms are. It's like the smokers club. Like if you smoke, you're totally in. Yeah, you're totally in a certain clubs, and it's like, you know, on movie sets, like. There's like the club that smokes and then there are the nerds that don't. And I'm like always like the one who's left out. Like they're never going to invite me out that night or whatever. It's the same thing with moms. Like they have their own thing and it's such a big business. And, you know, I think that people are always like, oh, my God, it's so great for networking and whatever. And I'm like, oh, my God, you weirdos. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to have a kid for that reason. That's so. so yeah. I'm going to have a kid because I need a slave. <laughs> right. That's such a better right. reason. And I'm going to have one because I want a friend. <laughs> That's what we say in the house. We're like, Kevin's like, oh, I want a little friend. He calls it a friend. <laughs> and I'm like, and I want a little slave. <laughs> and so I'm like the evil one in the house. I'm like, my kids are going to be my slaves. I'm going to make them work so hard because they're not going to grow up in this nice house and think that they got it made. I'm like, I'm going to make them cook and clean with toothbrushes all over the house. So poor kids. Yep. Um, They're going to hate me, (laughs) which is another reason why I don't know if I want to have them. I know. Because I grew up tough. And so I'm like, these kids are going to come into this like really privileged world. And how do you raise kids? Like I, um, for example, the Rosenblooms, um, uh, Bruce Rosenblum over at Warner Brothers is, uh, I'm friendly with them and they have the nicest kids and you know, they grew up in a, in a nice way. And I keep telling them, I go, when I have kids, you're going to teach me how to have, how to be a good parent because I think that I'm going to have to be so strict and tough and like, you know, make them wear hand-me-downs and, and, you know, all the things that I had to do to make sure that they don't come out spoiled little brats. And so I have this inner struggle and my makeup artist looks at me because I like help with her daughters because she's a single mom. And when they call and they're like, I don't want to go to school. I have cramps. I'm like, you're going to school. I can hear you through the phone. I'm like the dad basically. Mm-hmm. And she's like, your kids are going to hate you because you're going to be so tough. And I don't know the middle ground. So now I'm scared to have kids because I don't want to be bad mom. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I See, and I, I want to be liked. So I worry that that will rule my child rearing because that yep. too much of that, too, too much in either direction. It's true. There should be a parenting class. I swear I talk about it all the time because I was telling my makeup artist today, I go, because we went to Disney World with the kids. I said, your problem with your kids is they know your number and they play it. I said, and you're so afraid of them not loving you Mm -hmm. that you're so afraid to discipline them because you're afraid they're going to be mad at you. And I'm like, and they need to be mad. You need to make them mad. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Yeah. it's. I don't think it's fair to kids to emotionally need something from your kids like validation like that's that you're you're that's not your job kind to them it's not giving them space to be kids but it's hard because i like yeah. to be like too so i can't yeah. imagine like, if my kids hated me i'd be so miserable i know that's so hard it's the worst job in the world yeah. so what were you like as a kid um i was a really good kid i really was i was so you know you um, grew up in massachusetts in medford mass yeah my mom um, always says that I was like always smiling, always happy, and just you know very obedient. I never disobeyed my parents. How come? So I was terrified they would have totally hit me, and they did. Really? Oh yeah, my parents hit us. Oh yeah, I had the belt. We had the spoons, the wooden wow. spoons. Um, would it be like your punishment for this thing is this, or was it just in the heat of the moment? In the heat of the moment. 
you know, they were stressed. They were broke. I mean, all that stuff. They were working hard. My dad was sick. So it was like if we were fighting or whatever it was in the heat of the moment, yeah, they would, you know, hit us. But then as we got older, it became like written punishments. What what does that mean? Um, like I remember my brother got me to stick out my middle finger um, <laughs> at a car behind us. <laughs> so my mom saw me and she made me handwrite out um, a thousand times. I will never stick up my middle finger up ever again. Wow. Guess what? I do it all the time now. <laughs> so I totally lied. But um, but yeah, I she would make me do like handwritten, you know, I won't fight with my brother ever again. Things like that. Mm-hmm. So are you... Um... Are you upset about the uh, physical punishment? No. Hi. No. I mean, I always, you know, I think that, you know, parents, you know, my parents are great parents. They're great people. They just did the best that they could. That's it. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so how did you get into performing or entertainment? How did I get into it? I always say it's a series of baby steps and a series of just good decisions because I never closed a door. I always ran through anything. And so I knew from the time I was 13 that I wanted to do this. How? Um, what made you want to do it? I don't know. I was like, I was a dreamer, <clears throat> a dreamer, excuse me. And so um, I remember getting a card in the mail to enter a beauty pageant. And I was like begging my mom and they would never let me. And so I asked my older cousin, I said, they love you. They respect you. They trust you. Will you kind of like step in and help me? That's smart. You did an end run. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And so he talked to them. And so the next year I was able to do it and I won. And so um, and then um, a guy that my dad worked with um, knew Nikki Taylor's manager. She was a popular model. Yeah. I'm sure you remember. I totally do. And so I got Teen Magazine and Seventeen and she was on those. Both of them, I think. Yeah. And so he was her manager. So he did like a photo shoot with me and like um so I started doing some modeling and things like that and then you know little by little whatever it was I would get involved in and then um I met Kevin uh in Boston when he came back to make his movie so I quit my job make- doing makeup at Chanel <laughs> and went to work for him for free and then someone who worked on the movie one of Kevin's um producers called me from California he's like I'm a PA at this place called Channel 1 News and he was like, you should submit a reel here because I was at college at Emerson at the time studying journalism and uh, and film. And he was like, you should submit a reel. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, I just want to be a producer. And I was totally done with like being on camera. Why? Because I loved producing so much. And I didn't realize at the time that I could do everything because people were were so, um, you know, closed minded back then. And so I was like, no, I'm just going to see this film out. I'm just going to do this. And Kevin looked at me. He's like, are you crazy? He's like, no, you're supposed to be in front of the camera. You can do both. And I was like, okay. So I sent in the reel and got the job, moved out to California. And within like a year and a half or something was at Entertainment Tonight. And then from there. Wow. That's really, how did, now how did that happen? Because that to me sounds fast. Yeah. Well, I was working at Channel One and. Right off the bat, um, within a month of being there, I interviewed President Bush and went to Africa and did a series on the AIDS epidemic and got such incredible experience there. It was the greatest place ever. I don't know. I'm trying to think if I realized that Channel One did that 
like weighty stuff. Maybe oh, I did. Yeah. Lisa Ling was yep. there, right? Mm-hmm. Were you there at the same time as her? I took over when she left to do the view. Oh, okay. And so, um, so it was amazing. It was such a great place. And uh, my friend Derek, who was one of the co-hosts there at the time, he had an agent at William Morris. And so he was like, oh, you should meet with my my agent. I'm like, I didn't even know what an agent was. And I'm like, yes, I definitely, I need an agent. And so I remember seeing from the window of my office, I would see the Paramount um, lot. And I used to dream about like being able to go on that lot. And I would see the Entertainment Tonight signs. And um, when I was in the Miss Teen USA pageant, I had told Bob Goen that someday I wanted to work with him at ET. Mm-hmm. And so I signed with this agent and... Uh, I started hitting some roadblocks at Channel One because it was like I would pitch stories and the guy who was in charge would give this, you know, whatever I pitched to this other girl. And it was just frustrating. And so I was like, you know what? Get me out of here. I'm like, this is I'm not I'm not able to grow here anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I said, let's see what's what else is out there for me. And he sent my tape over to E.T. I went in and auditioned and got the job over at Entertainment Tonight to do E.T. and E.T. on MTV. And so suddenly I was now in the Paramount <laughs> gates. Yeah, that must I, have been really exciting. It was amazing. Yeah. And then how long were you there? Uh, I had a three-year deal there, but I didn't finish it out. Um, I ended up leaving there and going to Access Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, I was at Access for six years and then just came to Extra about a little over a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you and Kevin met How? Uh, I met him in Boston when he came back to make his first feature. And so I started peeing on his movie. And then, but tell me more. <laughs> Which now I famously say I slept with the director and that's how I got my career. <laughs> um, I Okay, so my cousin Anthony was really good friends with Kevin. They went to high school together. They were older. Um, yeah, what's the age difference? 10 years. Okay. And so, maybe 11 years. I think it's 11 years. And so... Um, uh, Kevin grew up in Medford, but then ended up moving to this place called Winchester, which is next door. And so my cousin was from Winchester. And my cousin used to tell me, like, from the time I was 13, he's like, hey, you know, when uh, you want to go to show business someday in Hollywood, I, I got a buddy out there. But he always had a buddy. <laughs> it was always a buddy. And so I didn't Did believe Did you him. have that accent as well at one point? Hardcore. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. How'd you get rid of it? Um, or do you still have it? I still have it when I'm tired <laughs> um, or when I'm drunk. <laughs> Um, but you know, it just, it just went away when, when I would, even on the school news at Emerson, the second the cameras would go on, my accent would go away. Cause I felt like I had to be professional and it just, it was like a so thing that like just happened. You, but do you, at that point, were you consciously speaking differently? I don't know if I was consciously speaking differently, but I remember like I took it so seriously. I would like wear suits to like the I school did, news. I, I, when I used to do morning news, um, in New York, I I started wearing blazers. Yeah, that I st- at the beginning I was wearing blazers. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Because you think that's what you have to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the news director still talks about it to this day because like everyone else would come in in their pajamas and there I'd be with my like suit on. <laughs> I went to Filene's basement and bought, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I took it really seriously. So I think it was just you know it, I just transformed. That. Yeah, and so it would just. The second I'd be off camera, it would be back. <laughs> and people were like so confused. And then little little by little, it eventually just became my everyday mm-hmm. thing. So, Are there um, certain words that it's the most difficult to not have an accent on? Or No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm pretty, 
you'll you'll very rarely catch me with a Boston accent. Mm-hmm. The only times are if I'm tired <laughs> or if I'm drunk. Right. Okay. So I, I cut you off though. Your cousin had a buddy. Oh yeah. So my cousin had a buddy, and um and when he was coming back to Boston to make his movie, he's like, "You should work on it." And I'm like, "Uh yeah." And so I met with Kevin, and I didn't know what making a movie you know, what that entailed because I was a journalism major at the time. But I remember I had a big yellow legal pad like that. And I was like, I had everything that I knew how to do. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> these are my skills. Will these help in making a movie? And he laughed at me. He goes, uh, free phones, free food, free, 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 free. Yeah, you can be on the movie. You know how to do what we need. He goes, that's producing. I'm like, it is? <laughs> and so, and of course, I was instantly like crushing and obsessed. Mm-hmm. And uh, was and he so, single at the time? I don't remember. Um, yes, he was. Um, I think. Yeah, he was. And so, but it didn't matter because nothing was happening then. It was just like, like, did, was he interested in you when he brought you onto the movie, or what? Or did do you know? We talk about this quite often, actually. So, <laughs> um, he. He had just broken up with Carmen Electra or something. Like he was dating right, Carmen Electra. Right, he was the head writer on Singled Out, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he had just come back to make his movie and I remember being in his in his um his office was his like bedroom he had a like makeshift. So we went in there with a bunch of producers and he checked his voicemail, but that was the day where you could like yeah. hit play and everyone had to hear it. <laughs> and it was Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra pranking him and oh. I was like Oh my god, that's so cool! Because <laughs> I was eighteen, what yeah. did I know? I'm like, that's so cool. Um, my first brush with celebrities, <laughs> and so I remember being like, I was like, you know, chubby and whatever, and I'm like, he doesn't know this, but he's the one, and I'm gonna make him love me. <laughs> so how did you do it? How did I do it? Um, well, let's see. He had me. Okay, so my best friend worked for United Airlines mm-hmm. at the time. And so she would fly me back and forth to L.A. So one time he was like, oh, do you want to come out and help me audition the actors? I'm like, yes. And so (laughs) you were an assistant. Is that I was a PA. Okay, But I went out there and I started like helping with the auditions. And then I remember going out there again. And, you know, that's when like he kind of was like, oh, you know, because he was like, Maria, I didn't take you seriously because you were so young. Mm -hmm. He's like, and now were you still a little chubby at this point? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so that was it. And then, you know, from then, like, you know, on set, I was just working, but also like totally like in love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <clears throat> do you remember your first kiss with him? Like, do you remember when things actually became? Yeah. Oh yeah. He was like so sly. He was like, I remember I had to, I was in LA <clears throat> and he was like, oh, you don't have to sleep like upstairs or whatever. He's like, you can sleep here. And I'm like, no, no. And then I'm like, I couldn't get, I had to give in. I couldn't help it. I couldn't control myself. So <laughs> I finally gave in. Mm-hmm. And then have you guys been together ever since? Mm-hmm. Did you date people before him? Um, I went on a few dates, yeah. But he was like my first real boyfriend. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. See, if I had settled down with my first real, well, we wouldn't be together still. There's like no way. Like it took me so long to figure out what a healthy relationship is mm-hmm. that I'm always um, kind of mystified by people who can just get it right the first time. Mm-hmm. What do you think that is? I don't know. I think 
And my cousin actually, I remember my cousin married her like high school sweetheart. They're still together and they're like such a great couple. Um, I think that it's, I was definitely, you know, mature beyond my years and wise beyond my years. And I knew what I wanted and he was just special. Like I can't, it's hard. Like I didn't, I didn't have those experiences where I dated in high school. My parents wouldn't allow me to. Mm -hmm. And so I actually got to see, I feel like I got to see my friends kind of make the mistakes that I never had to make and go after the wrong people. Like I always say, if I dated the guys I wanted to date in high school, I don't even know where I would be right now because they're all in jail and they're all drug addicts. I mean, it's, I don't know where, because I am not going to say I'm special and was like going to, you know, be able to, you know, weather those storms and be perfect. You know, you just never know. You know, I know that I was against all of that stuff, but at the same time, once you fall in love with somebody, you never know what, what how you're going to change. Mm-hmm. And so I got to see people kind of make all those mistakes, I think, and I didn't because I wasn't allowed to. Thank God my parents were so strict. Um, and so I kind of knew exactly what I wanted. And when I met Kevin, he was like so sweet. His dad had um, just died of cancer like a year and a half prior. And he was telling me about how he like took massage therapy classes to learn how to like, you know, ease the pain for his dad and you know, left MTV and like came and like took care of him. And I was like, what a great person. Like you, you, you know, you already know who that person is and you know, he would take care of you through thick and thin. And, you know, he just had great morals and great character and he was so smart and funny, 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 funny. And so that was it. I was like, Mm -hmm. you know what? Let's wrap it up. (laughs) See, that's great. Cause all those qualities you're describing are not the things that would um, have been attractive to everyone at a young age. Yeah. I mean, for me, I don't know what I was looking for. Someone who was cute and funny and wasn't really available. That's what I was into. Yeah. <laughs> I think someone who would, like, come on really strong and then disappear. I mean, not that I was aware that that's what yeah. I am I mean, actually, I probably, if someone said, what are you looking for, I would have listed all the good qualities. But I just know that I was drawn to people who who were were just, you know awful and it ended up being really confusing and that's kind of what I liked yeah I guess I guess I don't know um well so now now how come you guys haven't gotten married though and I say that as someone who I I'm living with my boyfriend and we we're starting to talk um just very gently starting to talk marriage (laughs) and all of that but how There's, long have you been together? Oh, uh, about a year and a half. Okay. We've only been living together for a couple months. How's that going? It's going really well, actually. Yeah. It was, you know, a little bit, maybe it, Rocky's too strong. You, there were little things that were coming up at the beginning, but um, but now it's like, it's it, smoothing out, I would say. Not that it was ever rough, but there were just, you know, like, just little, little things that come up. Because I had lived on my own for a while. Um, yeah. And so now I, I was thinking just this morning that I was leaving, I think I was thinking I really like living with someone, um, cause I was worried about giving up the independence mm-hmm. and, and my own space and all of that. But I like being able to go home to a place that feels like a home. So yeah. And having someone there it's, to like yeah. tell your day to and yeah, watch exactly. TV with. Yeah. It's just in general, I'd say I'm, I'm smileier. Yeah. I still wake up kind of in a shitty mood, though, and I don't know what that is. I think that's just <laughs> that's just me. Um, but but there's part of me that is like the idea of planning a wedding, and like it feels like such a pain in the ass. And I thought that I was the person who always wanted the big wedding. Uh, my sister, who's younger than I am, got married. Uh, 
like a year and a half ago. And maybe I don't know if maybe because she already did it, I feel like maybe I don't need to do it. Or if I feel like, who am I kidding? Like I'm not some 22 year old bride or I don't know what it is, but like, I'm not sure I need the big thing that I thought Mm -hmm. I did, but I just know that all of it, I'm like, I don't, I don't even know how I feel about all of that. I know. You know what happens? I think as we get older, we get more confused. Yes. And that's why my dad keeps saying to me, he's like, Maria, you got to have kids now. And I'm like, yeah, because I'm getting smarter and smarter as I get older. And that's like, <laughs> I joke to him and say that. But I think we actually, we second guess so much more and we're we're too analytical mm-hmm. and we're thinking way too much about things. And so, yeah, I find myself completely confused about most of those things like marriage, kids, you know, all of those big things. Because it's, it's true. It's like, okay, well, when I was young and you know, you know, all of that was important. Okay, great. Well, now my priorities have shifted or I've changed a little bit and, you know. Right. It's like once you deviate from the path, then yes. it's easy to, to to second guess getting back on it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I have a question that uh, I bet you get sometimes, um, which is what's it like being in a relationship and being a woman and being a very successful, you know, powerful, independent woman? What's it like? Yeah. How does that affect the relationship? Well, I think in I think it's a really tough thing for most people. I'm really lucky that Kevin is really secure. Um, that's not something that I see often. And that's actually something I really am excited about with the reality show is I feel like he's such a good example for guys because they're not used to being in the back seat. They're not used to being the at-home mom or any of those things, you know, not that Kevin doesn't work, but there have been times when he hasn't, he doesn't work or his work is different. You know, he's supporting me or he's, you know, helping me start after buzz or whatever. Um, Guys aren't really comfortable in those ways and they get very insecure and it really weighs on relationships. So I see that I'm so lucky that, that I don't have to deal with that because we grew up together in a sense, and we've been a team for so long. Right. So like your success is his success. Exactly. And he's been instrumental in all of it. So he's so proud. Like he's more proud than like probably anyone because he's had a a hand in every every moment of it. Mm -hmm. So is he your manager? Not officially, but right. I mean, do you guys ever have strong differences of opinion about what your next step should be or how you should handle something. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I think that, um, you know, we'll disagree and then, you know, and sometimes we're totally not on the same page about things. Most of the time we are. Um, The thing we argue most about is he's so much more aggressive and I'm so like, I just want to be happy. (laughs) In terms of... In uh, terms of career, like he's, he's like... If I was you, I'd be such a killer. I'd be like, I'd be like crazy. And I'm like, I am so happy. Like, does he mean in terms of a, of um, going after things? Yeah, like or? there are people in our business that are just so super like driven. Ping! Yeah, and he's like, you're not. And he goes, and I don't know if that's the trade off, and that's why you're not a crazy person. He goes, because those people are all crazy for the most part. And this is, these are his words, everybody, not mine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's like, they're all, you know, psychotic. He goes, but they want it so bad. And I'm like, I want it to a degree. 
I want my happiness and I want to be a normal person. I don't want to be defined by all of this because, you know, I'm not going to look like this forever. I'm not going to be this popular forever. Like I want to be able to be at peace when all of that kind of goes away because it's so hard when when you start to age and your career starts to go away. Finding your identity at that point, if it's all based on Mm -hmm. this, is really hard. And I understand why people do crazy things. So and I just... I don't know. Like, I love doing what I do, whatever it is at the time, whether it's After Buzz or if it's, um, you know, uh, extra or, you know, news, whatever I'm doing, making movies. I love it. But I'm also I don't want to be consumed by it. And, And this is from someone who is working like 20 hours a day right now. But apparently Kevin thinks I could be doing more at times. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, is he, is that what he's saying? Is he kind of riding you to to sometimes yeah that's like where i'm saying like that's where we'll argue sometimes like he'll be like okay you should be doing this and i'm like kevin when (laughs) when because i'm going to collapse i'm tired yeah and so he you know his thing is he's so like so proud and so um so like if you don't get everything you're supposed to get out of this business he's like it'll be such a crime he's like because you know you're capable of so much and like these are his you know his things in his head and i'm like totally happy (laughs) yeah i know you have to think of you know down the road you can't think of just now you have Mm -hmm. to think 10 years down the line you still want to be working so you have to be planting the seeds for all of that it's hard it's a lot that becomes like a full-time job in itself Mm -hmm. i think the same thing like i there's this feeling in me that's like if you want to have success in this industry you have to create your own opportunities you have to do this Mm -hmm. and then i just like it's exhausting thinking about it so then i just watch tv (laughs) homeland yes did we spoil homeland tune in to part two early thursday morning and by tune in i mean download uh and find out spoiler alert we did not which means if you haven't seen homeland it's safe to listen to Uh, plus a whole bunch of other stuff i love you guys hey do you know about the allison rosen show
This is Corolla Digital.